Good morning, good afternoon. I'm Bill Connor, and you've reached the Digital Shop Talk Radio, where our panelists share all things about the digital shop and other things going on in the industry. Today, I'm here with Frank Scandura, owner of Frank's European Service. Frank's been with us many times, got lots of information to share. And we got a special guest today, John Malmonte, CEO of Auto Bottles, alias DeVos, as we previously discussed, and Auto Bottles founder, Uwe Kleinsmith. Join us today for a discussion about what changes to customer interaction have been going on uh, over the years and maybe what's expected changes in the future. What are some examples about some of the advantages, pitfalls you might run into as you go along the way? As always, teamwork is required in the shop to provide great results. And you're going to take away some tips today about changes in customer interaction. What you, you uh, learned today, you're going to use to go ahead and plan your strategy. As always, you'll learn from our guest panelists who operate shop just like yours or are tied in to the industry. So, Uva, if you wouldn't mind getting us started on this path, um, we'll see what we can drag out of them. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks, Frank, for joining us. Yeah, motorist interaction has been a interesting development in the last, let's say, Digital inspection came out 2013, something like that. So let's just round it up to 10 years. Um, and what we have been observing is that service advisors who use digital inspection as more than a tool and go really to the core of the relationship, which is, I'm going to steal a quote from Frank, we were not selling parts and services, we're selling trust, um, has really changed the world of uh, interaction between the service advisor and and their customers. So, so Frank, if you wouldn't mind with the trust element in mind, can you remember how it was before digital? And, and, and could you walk us through your steps how you experienced it. I've been doing this a long time. So, you know, back in the day, we used to call Mr. Jones to come down to see how bad his car was. We would destroy his schedule, destroy his day, leave work, whatever he had to do. Keep in mind, I have his car. So he's got to figure out how to get there. He comes, he looks up, he goes, oh, that looks bad. Okay, better fix it. He has no clue what he's looking at. <clears throat> And now we can fast forward a few years when the digital camera came out and that, that was pretty exciting because now I could take pictures and actually email them to a customer, right? And of course, you know, we didn't have company emails back then. We weren't that sophisticated. So we we're using our personal email accounts or, or maybe we did have a company account if you're a top operator, but even I didn't have them back then. It was always my Hotmail, personal Hotmail account. <clears throat> now we can go even further cell phones with pictures, cameras, what an exciting thing. Now I'm texting pictures to Mr. Jones off my personal cell phone number, which, you know, anybody who's done that uh, in a big town like Las Vegas knows that could be a problem, right? Because 24 hour town, I get phone calls at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, it's just going to leave a message to make an appointment. All right, well, I'm knocked out of bed now. <clears throat> so to be able to have a platform where I could still communicate what I want the customer to see, was an absolute game changer. And to be able to measure what I was doing made all the difference in the world. And I remember the, you know, I think I went to uh, 
Santa Barbara and visited with you guys. It was before it's a customer of auto models. And you and I had a meeting after that and you showed me where I can track my labor inventory and I can measure how many pictures were taken. I can measure how many inspections were sent. And you went on and you told me, you know, we do the website, we do this. We do. I said, would you just sign me up for everything? And I remember your reaction. Really? You didn't expect that, right? And I, and I said, yeah, I, I saw the, the potential. And, um, you know, and we had things going on in, in the beginning that um, there were some pain points, right? The learning curve. And I was going to Santa Barbara once a month to, to I needed to learn. I need to learn. Uh, we had somebody come out <clears throat> to do on-site training. And I remember sitting down in a conference room with her and my shop foreman. It was Gisharon. I hope she's around. <clears throat> and um, I said, oh, I got to take a phone call. I'll be right back. I go back in the conference room. I don't know. It's five hours later or whatever, because, you know, you get distracted. I said, uh, where'd she go? Paul goes, oh, we're all done. Um, okay. Uh, so I had no clue. So it, it was, a, it was a learning curve it was well worth it. And just to be able to interact with our customers at that level and see, and especially now with the messages coming in and stuff, it's just absolutely phenomenal. <clears throat> you know, I think, um, you, you kind of alluded to this, but I'd love it if you could put a finer point on, you know, I talked to folks today and they don't, maybe they don't use a digital vehicle inspection, um, solution. They just take some pictures and they text them out. Right. So, Technically, they're doing uh, a bit of, um, of digital inspections. What's the difference between sort of having a real piece of software that does it and just sending some text messages out? Management. Sending text with the pictures out. Yeah, it, it's and it's even some of the shop programs out there today are on the digital bandwagon where you can take pictures within their software. Right. But you can't measure if the customer looked at it. You can't mark up the picture to say, this is this little arrow pointing right here is exactly what I want you to focus on. I can't put notes on a picture and they say, oh, yeah, you can. You just do it on your phone and then reload it up. Well, that's kind of cumbersome. I like it where the technician only has to do is take the pictures. Boom, 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 boom. Now I could train my service advisor to make sure that they're good, high quality. <clears throat> uh, but you can't measure what somebody is doing with their phone. You just can't. So it's measurement. You can't manage what you can't measure. Right. And how do you, so what are the ways that you do measure? So what are the ways that you measure if folks are engaging or what the impact and the results are? Well, one of my favorites is at a glance that I'm looking at my TVP right now and I could see who has looked at their inspection and for how long. So I got 220 seconds, 184 seconds. Here's one, 3,368 seconds. That guy's engaged. Right. right. He's he's not only looking at that, he's probably showing his friends. He's probably right. getting other information. Right. <clears throat> um, well, and he probably knows a lot about well, what's going on with the vehicle now because he's been reading it that long. Yeah. Yeah. Seven hundred thirty. Think about the quality of, of the inspection versus in the past when we were sending the pictures one at a time or putting them in the email. They were getting the whole story anyways, because we would. I mean, could you imagine doing what we do today where shops are sending between 13 and 20 pictures sometimes part of the inspection? Could you imagine trying to get them out in, in text messages? So, you know, a, a lot of things have changed along the way, and it, it gives a, a more concise report of everything at once versus the customer getting a picture and then a few seconds later getting another one and so on. So that was a big change when we went from using the cell phone to send a picture to getting it all in one report. Well, let, let me jump in real quick, okay? I'm, if I'm taking the time to text a customer picture, I'm showing them one or two pictures of something really bad. That's not the entire vehicle health, right? And from right. even my mindset, I, I've been a big fan of doing inspections since I got started in, in this when I was a wee pup of 20-some years old because my boss made it clear. You have to look over the car and make sure it's okay. 
And that was our inspection process. <clears throat> no formal training. You know, this is in the early 80s. No formal training. You got to check everything on the car. Okay. So I just learned to check everything on the car. You check the brakes. You check the tires. You check the brake hoses. You check the coolant hoses. You, you check for leaks. You check for maintenance. Um, <clears throat> so, it, But you, when you're just texting a couple of pictures, you're just looking for the worst of the worst. Yeah. That is not a full vehicle health analysis. Um, for example, it's mandatory. Every single car that comes in, we take a picture of the fan belt. Every single car that comes in, we take a picture of all the tires. So we have some mandatory pictures on, on these normal wear items that we're, we're just kind of laying out the path for the customer. Here's what you have coming up. Look at your tires. Eh, they're getting to be almost six years old. Let's think about changing them soon, right? Yeah, or I could wait until they're on the freeway and blow a tire and get mad at me. <laughs> so you're laying it out where the customer knows right off the bat by what you're sending them. Should I continue to invest in this, not just only see just the bad? Absolutely. Sure. And part of uh, our mission statement is it's our responsibility to explain to the customer what we're doing on their car and why. So they can make an informed decision, even if it means not doing any service work. So part of that process, and it's part of our sales process, is what, how important is this car to you? What is your intention with this car? I hate this car. I just need it to last till the end of the year. I love this car. My grandmother gave it to me. I'm going to keep it forever. Those are two different spending habits, right? <clears throat> so we, we need to know those things, and we need to establish those relationships and figure I mean, out. I think, I think relationships are really important word there in terms of, you know, is this, is our relationship transactional? Like you bring your vehicle, I tell you something's wrong, I fix it, you give me money. Or is there actually an ongoing relationship? Like, do you trust me? Uh, do you trust that I'm going to give you a full status of what's going on with your vehicle? Right? Do you um, do you trust that I'm going to tell you, hey, this is something we got to fix right now, but this is something that we can we can fix six months from now. How does um, how does a digital inspection uh, uh, support that kind of notion? Because it takes all of the blah 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 blah. $900, blah, 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 out of the equation. And it gives the motorist information they can use to make an informed decision. There's the educational video, there's the educational text, there's a markup on the pictures, they have everything they need. So <clears throat> my favorite thing is to say, I want to prevent my customer from getting lied to by mother Google. And I can only do that if I give them enough information, even if they have questions, hopefully they're asking us first, but if they do ask somebody else, they're asking with all of the details. <clears throat> For example, you know, it's really easy to say, hey, you need a timing belt, it's 1500 bucks, you want me to do it? Oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting that. They start calling around for timing belts and now they're getting prices for $299. Right. Well, because they never got the information where I'm not gonna just do the timing belt, I'm gonna do the rollers, I'm going to do the tensioner, I'm gonna do the cam seals, and this is why I'm gonna do all this. And I want you to know this is kind of a complete repair, not just a timing belt for time right. and mileage. <clears throat> So you, you can't do that texting pictures and you can't do that if you're not prepared to educate the motorist. But let, let me let me chime in here because this is really an interesting change in my opinion. Too many shop language, how do I say that, interaction with the motorist are focused on parts, right? We replace a part, right? <clears throat> So it's so easy to go to Google and look for the part because the focus of the conversation is not what we are 
recreating and reestablishing in the car what function which is not working today will be working afterwards it's all about the part right and and so that invites people to go to google and google the part and and look at the shop as just replacing a part right and and so i think um personally without jumping ahead that will change in the future more even than today, where the education is focused on what's the fix, meaning what is the result once the shop has done the work and not so much go into the detail what parts are getting replaced and can I look it up? Would you, do you see that happening? I do. <clears throat> um, I, because people are searching differently, right? Right. I, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, people are more informed. There's a lot more information than there ever was before. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I put it in my book, you know, when you tell when I tell a guy he needs something, he goes, rrr, rrr, I'll do it next time. He has no clue what I'm talking about. <clears throat> when I tell a gal and she needs something, she goes, wait a minute, what is it? What does it do? What happens if I don't do it? How much is it going to cost? Is my kid's going to get hurt? Am I going to die? And she right. wants all of this information. And the only reason why she wants it is so she can make an informed decision. And I think that's becoming more commonplace now. I need more information so I can feel comfortable with my decision. Um, I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> you know, I don't buy, I, I buy some stuff off of Amazon and I don't dare go near it without reading at least eight right. or 10 reviews. I want to well, know about this product. <clears throat> well, and I think there's a, there's a nuance in what you're saying also is not only in how uh, many consumers or customers now want to be uh, informed. It's also the way they want to be informed. Right. So, you know, there's, the, the, the days of the days of most of your customers wanting to come down to the shop and actually seeing what's going on, or frankly, even spending as much time being educated on the phone, like, you know, in Amazon, I mean, Uva has pointed this out, you know, hundreds of times over the last 10 years, at least, um, you know, Amazon's a perfect example. Like I want to go on Amazon and I want to be able to do my own research and see pictures and listen to videos and, um, and see reviews and educate myself. Um, but then I want to make a decision on my own, right? If I got, if somebody from, if I'm searching and somebody from Amazon had called me before I got any of my work done and said, do you want to buy this? It ends up being uh, a bit challenging, right? It, it is, again, as to, to quote Uva, it allows consumers to be buyers, right? And educated as opposed to being sold to, which really in, in some ways kind of changes the nature of the service advisor's role, don't you think? Or, or maybe some of the specialties, what the service advisor needs to be great at. I think there's enough fear in making a wrong decision on your car. Yeah. That that is still, I, I, I think <clears throat> gathering that information, doing that research, finding the data, then they start the engagement with the shop because right. they're still so afraid uh, right. of, you know, doing something wrong. <clears throat> uh, and it still surprises me how many people think I don't have a good source for parts. So they're going to get the parts and say, here, I, I helped you. Here's my eggs. Can you fry them up for me? Right. Yeah. So what is uh, so with digital inspections? I mean, what is the what does the the new kind of what is the service advisor? How's that role evolving uh, in a digital world? Relationship. <clears throat> it's got to be relationship. It, and here's the story. And I ran into this guy. He um, he worked for me for a while. And he had to go back to Oregon. His mom was real sick. He want to go take care of him. 
and he doesn't even remember this happening. I just had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago. He's sitting at his desk and the husband and wife are arguing about fixing the vehicle right in front of him. <clears throat> and he's just real cold, just sitting there. And then he turns to her and he goes, all you use that van for is bringing the dogs to the park. Brian pipes up, goes, I love dogs. What kind of dogs do you have? Perfect segue from the vehicle, from the repairs to the relationship. And then they start talking about dogs. And the next thing you know, they re- they're authorizing everything on the vehicle. And that's exactly the lesson I needed to, to really show me the importance of relating to your customers on their level. <clears throat> so, so the fact that the digital inspection uh, gets to, it gets to take and get some of the technical education out of the way, it opens up. Uh, more room and more opportunity for the personal relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember a couple outside the parking lot arguing, we don't have money to fix this car. I promised my aunt I would take care of the car. She left it to me. And I actually intervened. I said, dude, your wife and kids have got to come first, take the car and park it in the driveway. And you've, you've maintained your promise to your aunt. You've got the car she gave you, but do not spend money you don't have on this car. That's relationship. Right. Transaction is you guys figure it out. Call me when let me know what you want to do. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great story. Hey, listen, and it all comes down to how do I get the conversation started? Right. In the days of, oh, hi, Bob. Uh, geez, bad news, man. Those brake pads and rotors are completely worn out. Oh my gosh, it's leaking oil too. Oh, oh geez. Those and those valve cover gaskets are so expensive on that kind of car. Oh my gosh. Right. I could be doom and gloom. <clears throat> Or I can train my staff to say, Margaret, great news. We found the source of that noise in your engine. This is all we need to do, <clears throat> right? So now it's good news because it is good news because if she wasn't worried about it, she wouldn't have brought me to car street. have just kept driving and turned the radio up louder. Right. And, and by the way, while we had it, there's some other things I want to talk to you about. And it just helps start that conversation. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's subtle, right? I mean, you know, relationships and, and uh, you know, customer relationships, it really comes down to people and it comes down to perspective and how they're viewing you, right? Do they view you as a problem or do they view you as the solution? Right. And I'm hearing you, you know, and that's one of the things that obviously Frank Pan's been so successful as at is you guys are the solution. They came to you with, you know, a concern or a question or whatever the case is, and you end up providing them a solution as opposed to laying a bunch of problems at their feet. Exactly. And, and I'll tell you, I hear a lot of shops, um, say, I don't want to tell the new customer everything I find on the car. And I tell them, shame on you. What a disservice. Well, I don't want them mad at me. I don't want them to think I'm getting them. Well, it, <clears throat> they, they're only going to think that based on your approach. Right. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, we're not getting new customers because they're in love with the guy they've been dealing with for five years. Right. Something changed, personnel change, attitude, the owner changed, uh, whatever the case may be, something changed. Now they're coming here. And I'm not talking about new people in town because that's that's a completely different scenario. I'll talk about the guy who's been here a long time. And let me give these guys a try. He's coming in for an oil change. If, uh, that's why at the counter, we start the discussion with, I am going to perform a digital inspection on this vehicle. We're going to send it to you. I need you to review it. And then I'll call you shortly after so that I can just go over the, the findings with you. <clears throat> I don't ask the customer for permission to inspect and send him the inspection. Frank's process is every car gets inspected, every inspection gets sent. Right. Well, and I think we all agree. I mean, it's our responsibility as an industry to do that. 
right? I mean, it's overall, you know, we're part of an industry. We all are developing a reputation as part of being in this industry. And it's important that, um, you know, it's important that shops are giving customers or giving drivers the same experience everywhere, right? Yeah. And and look, really what it comes down to is, are you, are you pressuring them into, you know, you lay out, hey, here's the status of your vehicle and I'm going to give you some good objective, trusted uh uh, insights around, you know what, you can wait six to 12 months on that. Or uh, I just want you to have eyes on this for now, right? Or it's up to you, but gee, uh, you know, I do think this is the kind of thing that it may end up getting worse because, you know, look, six months from now, 12 months from now, when it does get worse, like it's very important to me and my business that we told you about that, especially if it's a safety issue. I there's know a, I've heard that from you several times. Absolutely. And there's a moral component. Um, you can search, um, online for why every car should be inspected by Frank Skandor. It's an article I posted on LinkedIn. And it's the moral component, <clears throat> right? We had a, a gal come from church and we did this as a, um, a case study where, you know, she's 75 or hundred years old or whatever. And she comes in and Frank, I've got this noise in my brakes. Can you help me? Absolutely, Julia, bring the car down. Let's take a look at it. Front brake pads are worn out so bad that the rotors are destroyed and the caliper pistons are starting to push out and they're leaking. Wow. I feel terrible. So I'm going to go, I'm the, I'm the big shot. I'm going to go tell her how important it is to get her car service on a regular basis. So this can be prevented. Oh, I take it down to X, Y, Z, Luby Dooby all the time. Oh. Boom. There's the problem. They're not checking the brakes, not inspecting the car, you know, dump and fill, get out next car and need my $65 ARO. <clears throat> so, and that was a real awakening too, where that's the moral component. You're doing a complete and utter disservice to your customers if you're not looking over their cars. Right. And, and here's another scenario. Um, I get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning. My sister's getting knocked around by her husband. We jump in the car and we go get her. Had that car not been properly maintained and broke down on the way there or back, how do you allow that to happen? Because I promise you the tow truck driver is going to say, hey, you know, if you brought your car to the garage once in a while, they'd have told you that fan button was about to break. Really? Because I was just in there last week. They didn't say a word. So they're, they're, the moral component needs to be front and center. There's a saying, if you do the right thing, the money will come. That, that principle applies. So do you see that most of the industry as they're changing to the digital inspection platforms and so on, they're moving from a repair type business to a, the mindset that we owe the customer a safe, comfortable, and dependable vehicle. And we're going to do that by inspecting it and presenting them the, the information every visit they come in. Uh, you know, Bill, Bill, I wonder if that's truly their mindset or if they're just getting on the bandwagon as the late entry, right? Because you got the early adopters, you got the guys in middle, yeah. you got the late adopters. And, and why are, and a lot, this is happening, and I'm hearing it from vendors all over. A lot of these smaller shops are shutting down. Why are shops shutting down? Now, part of it could be the guys are just aging out. They're saying, okay, I didn't, I didn't do the right thing and make my business valuable enough to sell. I'll just sell the equipment and get out of here. But maybe some of it's that mentality where I'm just going to fix what the car came in for. Well, customers want more than that. They, people really want to know what's going on with their car. And if you don't believe me, do a paid inspection. Tell a new customer. And we do this, and it's very, very effective. <clears throat> Hi, we've never seen a car before. We've got this really great 57-point inspection. It's normally $99. It's only $49 today if you do it. And it really gives us a good baseline for what's going on with your car. And they go, oh, yeah, do that. Now, if they're willing to pay for an inspection, they're willing to fix their car, right? So, uh, and, and I think that's, that phenomenon is probably more prevalent. The guys who just 
They don't get on board. They don't believe all the fluff. I'm not going to buy that crap. Who knows? Maybe they're still writing pre-orders by hand. It's kind of interesting when you do that so, exercise with customers, you can go ahead and see that their perception of value is way over what the shop perceives the value of the inspection is. And the results of that inspection, right? Because if you've got a service advisor going, oh, he won't buy that. He won't buy that. He won't buy that. Let me tell him about this, this, and that. You know, and, and they're either selling with their own wallet, which is dangerous, or they're just emotionally selling. You know, I had a guy work with me. It never rains in Las Vegas. Why should I sell the guy wiper blades? Well, it does rain in Las Vegas. And if he turns on those wipers and he can't see and you didn't tell him about it, he's just going to go away. He's, he's bringing a car into us to know what's going on. Now, if I tell him he needs wipers and he doesn't buy them and he turns them on into first rainfall, well, then he goes, ah, that's right. Those guys told me I needed it. Now I've got credibility. So if you if you go, well, I'm not going to, you know, that guy and John, we talked a little bit the other day, right? Now I need to hold that guy accountable. Here's the process. You got to tell him everything. As painful as it is. And we've had, we've had estimates. We've read eight, nine, 10, 15 grand on some of these Euro cars. Does it need it all right now? Heck no. Do you need to know what's coming up on your car so you can make a decision whether or not you want to keep driving it? Well, yeah. So how do you, Get your team from focusing on the repair the car comes in for to do all that initially perceived as additional work, not paid, to then pay off to get to WAO, right? That's a longer process and people have to change their behavior to get there. Otherwise, it's just a fancy camera, right? And the behavior doesn't change. So it starts with why, okay? Why do we do this? Why are we asking you to look these cars over? And the article I wrote is very, very effective for technicians who don't understand why I have to inspect the car. You're not paying me anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what would you do if it was your mom or your sister? You're just going to, you know, are you going to tighten a hose clamp or are you going to do a complete inspection on the system and, and make the proper recommendations? Um, <clears throat> so then it has to become part of our culture, right? And it starts at the very, very beginning. In the interview process, we talk about the inspections that we do, how we do them, why we do them. We have a little TV monitor set up, hooked up to the laptop in a conference room during the interview. This is this, this is this. I know you don't know what you're looking wow. at. You'll get used to it later, but you have to understand this is what we're about. This is kind of the frank way. Um, and it just becomes part of the process. And to be part of the team, you have to follow the process. Uh, we had a guy we had to let go Friday. Didn't didn't understand. Why is Frank reinventing the wheel? Oh, okay. Well, you can comply or wish you had. We do that because we know it's the right thing to do and, and we do it better than anybody else. <clears throat> and, but you you have changed over time too, I assume, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so 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 what what's your what what was your process and and what's your advice to shops who are still struggling getting their team to buy into it? While, you, while you're on LinkedIn reading that other article, find the one that says, are you accountable? Okay, <laughs> because that's the one I wrote to myself where I had to learn how to hold myself accountable first. Right. And, you know, I was always a list guy and I was always writing out these lists of things I need to do. And I'd look at the list and just kind of set it aside. Oh, I need to go talk to so-and-so. Well, I'm not going to do it now. Oh, that's too hard. I don't want to deal with it. And 
when I learned that I wasn't holding myself accountable, I had no right to try to hold anybody around me accountable, my kids, my team, anybody. And I was even talking to a shop manager not too long ago. And he goes, Frank, what's the hardest part of holding your team accountable? I said, holding yourself accountable. And, and literally the guy went like this. Because <sighs> he knew, he knew that was his roadblock. So it's kind of like that little spirit of conviction right in his heart. Right. So once I learned how to do that, it was hard in the beginning. There's like everything else, right? Anything new, anything different, anything challenging can be very, very hard. And so it's very easy. Just install a new process for your team and watch them not do it. It's very easy to go back to your old ways. Right. But learning how to hold myself accountable gave me the courage and the confidence to hold my team accountable. Always wanting to personally grow. I, I, I can remember in the early years just hating how hard it was and not making money. This is too hard. It's, it's not worth it. I'm just going to set the place on fire and walk away. Wait, I can't do that. They'll just rebuild it. You know, so it's, it's a big challenge, right? <clears throat> so uh, I had to learn how to, uh, so I was a really good mechanic back east. We were mechanics back then. Got hurt, couldn't work on cars anymore. Moved to Las Vegas, get a job as a service advisor at the Mercedes dealership. Get some really, really good customer service training. And all of a sudden now I'm a big shot shop owner with a service advisor slash technician mentality. How do you get out of that? How to break out of that? I had to learn how to run the business like a business. Uh, I remember years ago, you know, talking to Jim Murphy, he goes, look, that's an entity. Don't be so emotionally attached to your entity that it runs your life. It, you need to treat it like any other investment. What are you going to put in? What do you expect to get out? Who's going to help you do it? Um, I just read a book too called uh, Who Not How, right? So instead of trying to figure out how to do something, you get the who to do it. Who's going to do it? I don't need to figure it out. So those are all the steps that really help me just grow and then be able to set people free, right? All you shop owners out there who are hearing this, <clears throat> you would be surprised how many of the people you hire want to do the work that needs to be done. So stop walking in the door, kicking a dog and set things on fire. Just have something to do. Let them do the job you've hired them to do. They'll do it. As a shop owner, when you decide to go ahead and make yourself accountable, do you just do it and you don't share that with anybody or, you know, what's the next step from there? That's a good question. And um, I, I did have a shop meeting where I brought everybody together and apologized that I wasn't holding myself or them accountable and that I was going to be making changes. Uh, please hang on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. So, um, mm -hmm. and if everybody needs boundaries. If you don't have any boundaries in your shop and you just let people run amok and you have no right to complain, things are, you know, a train wreck. You have no right to complain to dumpsters on fire. It all starts at the top. It really does. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it turns out the only people who are really going to complain about those type of changes are probably your lowest performers. Yeah. And your best performers, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I, I, I think we always look at it this way also when it comes to a business, which is, you, while you don't want to be unfair, you don't want to be unfair to anyone. Like really you're being unfair to your best performers by surrounding them by poor performers, right? You're, you're holding them back. They want to work with people who, you know, work at a high level and, and hold themselves to a high standard. And the reality is, is that the better the team, the more successful the company, the more all of your employees are going to probably make from a compensation standpoint, right? Yep. Absolutely. I've, I've had this experience where we have that black cloud 
negative, kicking a dog kind of person all the time. And, and I remember I had maybe three texts at the time and it was like, whoa, that guy, he produces like 60 hours a week. We can't afford to lose him. Right. And then when it just got to the, when it got to the point of somebody dies or you go, and then he left the company, everybody else was like, finally. Yeah. Oh my. And then overall production increased because that suppression that oppression wasn't there anymore. And I, and that blew me away. I never expected that. And I coach guys all the time. So get rid of the, just get rid of them. Yeah. Don't keep telling me how bad he is. Get rid of them. Yeah. We have, we have two filters that we always put those discussions through. The first is how would you feel if that person came in and resigned tomorrow? And if that, and, and if your answer is I'd actually be relieved or I'd be happy, then that's probably your answer. Right. Yeah. The, the second question, the second question we ask ourselves is, how am I going to feel about this six months from now? Right. Because I think what usually holds people back is how am I going to feel tomorrow? How am I going to feel the next week? Right. I'm, I'll be man down. Uh, you know, it may be a ripple in the culture. You can't get too lost. I mean, while that's obviously important, you've got to think about with some perspective. How's that going to feel, you know, and how's that going to impact the business three months, six months, a year? If the answer is positively, there's you know, that's a strong consideration in the way you're thinking about things. Yeah. And, and a lot of guys put too much personal emotion into it. Right. I feel bad. Oh my gosh. And oh, we're friends. I we went to school together. I said, well, this is business, you know? Right. Well, you know? And, and you can, and you can separate, I mean, we face this too all businesses do, you can separate the decision that you have to make with the way you handle it. Yes. Right. So you it can should. be, you can be, you know, very, um, uh, you can really reach out to a person. You can be very accommodating. You can, you know, do it in a kind way. You can take care of the person financially, whatever the case ends up being, but that doesn't really separate out. Right. That's, that's one of the, the interesting, uh, I think challenges and, and, you know, you obviously love this. you you know, built an incredible business is you, you need to find the right balance of being very personal and really caring about your people. And at the same time, being able to separate that and make some relatively impersonal decisions. And again, as I mentioned before, I think, I think what you find is if you can circle back to, well, gee, I'm really doing what's fair to the rest of the people who are here, the people who are really, you know, following the way we want to do things or living our culture or really taking care of customers the way we want to, right, in the shop, then, you know, and we're really being fair to our customers. We're not being fair to our customers um, if, if we aren't, you know, sort of pushing people in this direction and holding them cer certain standard and certain accountability. An employee should never be surprised they're being let go, right? right? We've had a, a performance plan in place, performance improvement plan, PIP, for the, you know, the fellow last week, regular reviews, you know, just not saying it. And, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> remember one guy, um, it was like every Monday was you know, his first day. And I said to him, dude, it's like 50 first days here. It's like, you know, based on that movie, right. 50 first dates, it's like right. every Monday, I got to tell you again, how to log into the email. I got to tell you how to do this. I got to tell you to send, I, I don't understand why we have to have this conversation all the time. Well, you know, I'm a little older. It's hard to remember. Right. So, so when you talk about accountability and, and working with your staff, though, if you're using the visuals on the Today's Vehicle page, you're using the data in the business control panel and other reports, there's really no emotion left to working with people on accountability things. 
you know what, Bill, you're absolutely right. Because I had one guy who, <clears throat> for whatever reason, never understood the importance of sending inspection. It was like, customers don't care. I don't care. I don't have time. I'm busy. Whatever excuse at the moment was. And, you know, we just had to sit down and says, look, you need to send every single inspection out to the customer. I need to know you're in agreement. Okay, boss, I promise I'll start doing it. And we run a report and it's like, hey, man, I, I got like 14% of your inspections. Nope, that's not possible. All right, let's run a report. And we pulled all the repair orders. He goes, oh, yeah, I didn't do that one. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that one. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that one. No yelling, no screaming. Nobody's getting all bent and twisted up. I don't have to poke my bony Sicilian finger in his face anymore. <laughs> okay, let's improve. So we got him up to the point where he was finally sending them. Then we learned that his um, customer engagement was the lowest of anybody in the company. Right, we had three advisors, so the research time of his customers was the lowest. His ARO was the lowest, and so we tied the two together. Um, and Uva, thank you for pointing it out to me in front of six hundred people at the conference. But <clears throat> I, well, I he also I, said his car count was higher than the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what it was, yeah, and, and it was because he was not doing the process i'm going to send you the inspection i need you to look it over and just real basic stuff and he was the one who was guilty of oh he's not going to buy that he's not going to buy that he's going to buy that and then you know and what, listen when that happens then you get technicians that either over recommend to try to get something out of it or under recommend he's not going to sell anything anyway so now it affects everybody the customer's not getting the service they deserve the technicians aren't getting the work they deserve which should be good legitimate work measure but it Man. He has been doing what he had been doing probably 10, 15 years before, right? He's the most important person in the communication with the customer. Yeah. And, and, and the inspection was just another tool. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and you're and, right, because those guys who've been around a long time right. are the most difficult to break of their habits. They really, really are. And, you know, look, I'm 60 years old. I'm no spring chicken, right? And I'm, I don't know if I'm more tech savvy or more tech dependent, but it's a part of my life I have to embrace. How do you I can't get someone say, like that over the hump? How do you get them from being resistant to embracing the, the technology and all the benefits of it? If you're, if you're successful of explaining the why we do it, then it works, right? And it, but it's got to be up to the individual. I had, you know, gentlemen, He's probably 65 now, worked for me. And he goes, look, I just don't understand why we have to do it this way. Well, I can't make you understand it. I can only say that it's part of working here. You, you just need to be able to do it. Um, great guy for personality. He could sell. But, you know, if this is the direction the company is going in, we all need to be rowing the boat in the same direction. We all need to be focused on the same thing? Do we all understand the core processes? Do we all understand the core values? Do we all understand the core principles? You know, why do shops, and for me, it's easy. <clears throat> why do shops from all over the country call me up and say, I'm going to be in town. Can I come visit your shop for a day? It's not, it's not because my name is Frank. It's because of the reputation we've built in and out of Las Vegas for running a good operation based on the processes we put in place. And a lot of people want to see it and they want to experience it. So, it, you know, it's because you went ahead and transitioned your shop from being the top sales team to the top educational team. I would. I don't think that I would be able to say we were the top sales team before we went fully digital. I think my ARO when we started was in the mid 400s. It's 12 and change now, right? 
What did we do different? We adapted processes and principles that work to inform the motors of what they need and why so they can make an informed decision. And so I believe that had a lot to do with it. Sure, I've done sales training and, and you know, we spend a lot of time role-playing with the employees so they're comfortable making these presentations because it can be intimidating to present a five or $6,000 estimate to a guy driving you know, a 2005 E350. <clears throat> but you said it earlier, you have a moral obligation to educate and then the money happens. That, and that's exactly what we experienced because I never, ever said to my team in the beginning, I'm expecting a 20% ARO increase. And if you don't get it, you're going to get it. Never did that. I never did. I, I, you know, I just always believe if we do the right thing, the money will come and there's living proof. We have ARO goals now, right? It, you know, you're expected in this, in this shop to have at least a thousand dollar ARO, but it's not because of any other reason. And because if you do these steps, you'll get that. Mm. And that's my way of knowing, right? And if right. you don't give discounts, you'll have the GP dollars we need. And if you don't do it, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's the whole package. It's, it's not just any one thing. But that has to be reassuring be. for the next person that comes in that you can say that based on our processes, this is what you can expect if you follow our processes. Yes, exactly. Because we don't, go ahead. Go ahead, John. We don't hire people to say, what are you going to do for us? We hire people to say, this is what we're going to do for you. Mm -hmm. This is how we're going to do it. This is the tools we're going to give you. Yeah. Right. So, so wrapping some of the discussion together, you know, I think where we, part of where we started was how far has the inspection process come in the last eight, 10 years as a result of digit, right? And, and I think we agree. I think everyone on this call agrees <laughs> The standard today is a full digital vehicle inspection uh, that's fully, ing uh, fully integrated, has lots of reporting, um, has, has content included in it because it is going to be what helps educate the consumer, uh, has all the reporting and the metrics and the comparison, and really sort of makes, um, uh, makes managing this process internally with your staff ends up making it um, you know, very uh, unemotional and kind of fact-based and, and whatnot, and really benefits the, the motorist or the, the customer. So where do you think, where do you think we go from here? So, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's open to everybody, but, you know, Frank in particular, what do you, what do you see happening today? Like you're out in front, right? I mean, you've been leading the charge on this with Uva and Bill and, and others here over the last bunch of years. Um, what do you think is happening this year? And where do you think we're heading in the next couple of years when it comes to motorist interaction, digital inspections, other types of digital tools? Um, what I've learned uh, recently is <clears throat> while some shops in auto of customers specifically because of, you know, I drink the Kool-Aid, everybody knows it. I'm the first guy to admit it, right? I do drink the Kool-Aid and because I've got the numbers to prove it works. Um, they say they're struggling with their team or struggling to get people on board. And I said, well, show me your inspections. Let me see what you're, what you're doing. And, and they need to learn how to do better inspections. One, that's where I see this going. So there's a lot of guys that aren't getting the traction because they're not, they don't, they don't know what an exceptional inspection looks like. And I'll go and fire off one of those. And I go, dude, I think it's got like 50 pictures on it. I go, yeah, I'm educating the customer because we also capitalize on the fact that the repair order lines we take pictures for all of that. We don't just do the inspection. So that's the digital process to me has grown into more than just the inspection. Right. It's 
here's all the facts. Here's all the information. Here's that, you know, broken pulley. Here's that new pulley. This is why, you know, you trust us to work on your car. <clears throat> so I think that's the first part is really trying to get shops to understand what a really good inspection should and does look like. And then getting them all together on the same page. And this is going to be the challenge of the century. Is it a brake disc or a brake rotor? Right. Let's let's really let's let's bring this stuff together, guys. Let's quit calling it different things for different reasons. And right. and um, I think we're at a point where we need to kind of get on the same page on what we're doing, so that when the motorist is inquisitive and they call me up and said, "Yeah, the guy says I need a you know what you call it," and I said, um, "I've never heard of that. Did he give you any more information for me to kind of help decipher it? Because you know somebody's calling it a purge valve, somebody's calling it this, somebody it's." manufacturers do that right they have different names of the same components yeah <clears throat> so um, i think yeah, i think that makes a lot of sense well, the standard is so you're saying that to standardize uh the way all this information or data is captured uh across lots of different places so then kind of compare it or you know we know what we're talking about in every place yeah so the inspection is really just really only part of the service visit anyways so I really like what Frank said about going ahead and using the documentation on the repair order also, pre and post repair pictures and so on, especially because there's so many systems on vehicles, there's going to be a lot of liability attached to. Did you go ahead and do the service? Did you calibrate it when you're done and things like that? So I think going on into the future, we're going to see more and more usage of the repair order part of it to also go ahead and continue to build that trust where we didn't before. And having that in a standard language that anybody can pick up and follow through and see that this is the procedure, how it was performed, this is the end result, this is what the fix was. The fix is going to be, as Uba said earlier, part of the a really important part of the equation. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, and that there are clear trends. I mean, just I don't know when Google started introducing this. This is actually a subject of a whole podcast in my opinion because it's so interesting that google thinks by just using their data they know what you're looking for mm -hmm. you're typing in three words and they say you want to see this in the search result right and so this they distinguish between three different intents um you either want to buy something you want to have a service transaction done, which would mean go to a shop, for example, or you just want to educate yourself. So just, Google thinks that they know whether I'm looking to buy a part or whether I'm looking to learn learn about it. That's pretty spooky. Yep. That I have no idea how they do it. My, my, my hunch is they just know where people click after they saw, saw the results and that's what they serve up, right? So, so, you know, for everybody who wants to play with this, just type in timing belt repair versus timing belt replacement. You get completely different search results, hmm. right? And, and, so, and so I believe that sophistication will continue the trend that people educate themselves on Google. And, and it's our job as an industry to not have the motorist end up in some user forum where some aficionados talk about the details, right? 
You mean in and, the shop we're going to have to start stop talking about things with just three-letter acronyms? <laughs> for example. For example. Yeah, exactly right. We've got to stop this secret language. <clears throat> right. I mean, that's true for anybody, whether it's lawyers or doctors or right. <laughs> software engineers. Or people at our medals. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, Frank, to build on your point, I also think um, when it comes to information or data, as we may call it, about parts or type of work or labor, um, I, I think I'm excited about the the closer integration that we're starting to see. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the proliferation of different types of uh, diagnostic or inspection-based devices um, within the shops at a lower price point. Uh, and then with different business models, and then also the ability for them to send data into or send information uh, about inspections or repairs or parts into a digital inspection tool or any other type of uh, shop software. Um, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be potentially really meaningful in terms of further expanding, presenting to the consumer or to the motorist here's what's going on with your vehicle. And I can show you a visual. I can show you even more detail if you want to see it. No problem if you don't. Um, but it'll just build up more trust uh, through even more transparency. So the, the stronger connection and link between those uh, old and new devices and systems like uh, AutoVitals, I think that's, I'm really hopeful in the, in the immediate term, that's going to be really great. So we've got about eight or nine minutes left. Um... So when we talk about evolution and changes going on in the industry and how the digital shop talk radio is actually used as a tool to communicate, do you see some changes going on there also? <laughs> Me? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, William. I appreciate the uh, setup there. Ooh, William. Mm. Oh, that's when I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> You're not in trouble. So, um, yeah, I, you know, this is... Um, as you can tell from uh, the uh, the header, this is the 185th episode um, of the Digital Shop Talk Radio. And I think um, it's no coincidence that we have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, Frank's been one of the, the best guests that we've had. I mean, we have lots and lots of great guests and Frank's right up there um, in terms of dropping knowledge on the industry uh, here as well as uh, other places. So um, starting in September, we're gonna um, we're going to shake things up a little bit. We're going to take a slightly different approach. So today, um, I was fortunate enough to be a panelist and a guest on the show. Uh, moving forward, um, I will actually be um, the host of the show or one of the hosts of the show. Um, and I'm confident that both Bill uh, and Uva will be, um, I will be able to convince them. I know if I'm talking about Google or SEO, I could probably convince uh, Uva to come on and, and be a panelist on the show. And uh, hopefully be uh, a co-pilot um, for those episodes and, and same thing for Bill. Uh, and so, so that'll be a, a change moving forward. Um, we're also probably going to change up the schedule a little bit. So um, we've spent some time talking to our listeners uh, and to other folks in the industry. And um, we may, we may, um, we'll try out a couple of different things. So possibly not every episode will be live moving forward. Um, we're going to test out doing 30-minute episodes as opposed to one-hour episodes. Um, and then also, we're going to finally follow through on one of the things that tons and tons of folks have requested, which is, gee, can we take some or most of those um, 185 amazing, insightful, um, incredible, and impactful episodes 
And can we can we do more with them in terms of making them more digestible in shorter amounts of time? So can we cut some of those 30, uh, 60 minute episodes into uh, five and 10 minute bite size and three minute and one minute bite size uh, chunks of information? And um, which I think will end up being a lot more, like I said, digestible and shareable um, and useful. So we've got all kinds of different um, ideas that we're going to do that moving forward. And then we'll also continue to promote, you know, I think we're, we're going to recommit ourselves to uh, doing different types of content. So, um, you know, there'll be certain episodes on like, gee, how'd you become so successful? Or there'll be some other episodes on the other end of the spectrum that um, in other types of content that'll be more, like you might call it a webinar, but, you know, it'll be a little bit more kind of technical. Uh, or it might address uh, more specific questions around best practices, sort of be a little more narrowly focused. So, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, I I, um, I have to tell you that when I got involved in Autovitals um, a couple of few years ago, um, this is one of the areas of the business that I felt like, gosh, this is really you know such core ethos of who we are as a business, as a, as a company, uh, and the way that Uva. And Bill and and Tom uh, previously really built this up along with Frank and all the other great guests. And um, I, I'm really excited to carry on the tradition with them, uh, but just kind of shifting up uh, the roles that we're all playing within the show. So, so I'm excited. So, so all three of you. I mean, thank you very much. I really appreciate not only you have me on today, but um, you know how great it's been to listen. I mean, I've learned so much just listening to you guys. So uh, I'm excited to keep doing that. So am I allowed to make a special request? You're allowed to. Absolutely, William. Please go ahead. So what I'd like to request is we've got really thousands of really great shop operators in our digital shop talk forum. I would really love for some of them to go ahead and reach out to John through Facebook and say, this is what I'm doing in the digital shop. And I think it's important for me to share what I'm doing that's been highly successful with others and maybe invite themselves on to an episode or maybe even not an episode, maybe just an interview with you where you can go and record it and, and use it that way. So um, right. that way they're not tied to that 12 o'clock central time slot to go and do it. But there's plenty of people. And I really think you should probably also hear from some of them about some of the things that they've done going digital that they recommend others don't do. Right. Well, you know what? And the thing I love about that idea also, um, Bill, is that, you know, I think some folks are can be intimidated by a 30 minute episode or a 60 minute episode, right? Not everybody's going to be frank and, and, and be as comfortable and embrace that. But there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of value in, to your point, a five or 10 minute interview, right? If that's, or 15 minutes or 20 or whatever people are most comfortable with. So that's certainly, um, uh, th that's certainly something that's great. I, I'm, I'm excited to build on that. And to your point, uh, you know, look, just being transparent, I think that um, I talked a little bit about the ethos of the company, and um, I'm disappointed that we have gotten, we've gotten, we've gotten away from spending as much time within the Facebook forum as we should. We being uh, Auto Vitals and within the company, we've talked about this a bunch of times, and I'm, I'm committing to us doing more in there and um, uh, and, and kind of reinvigorating some of the engagement. Right, all the all the shop owners are still there. All the the insights and experience is still there, and we we need to do a little bit more on that. So, and 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 once again, I'm going to drag. Uh, I'm, I expect to drag you 
um, and keep you in there as, as much as we can. And obviously, same thing for Uber and, and obviously Frank as well. Well, I'm certainly not going anywhere. I'm always lurking in the background. I just prefer to be more invisible. All right. We'll see. I like to be right in your face, so I'm good. <laughs> you know how to reach me. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the kind words, too, John. Thank you very much. You want to say that? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. All right. So, uh, so Bill, do you want to do you want to take us home on this? Well, we got to ask Uba if he has anything that he'd like to add before we leave, because that's pretty much our custom. That's right. Lately, I have just confirmed what what you said last. So, yeah, no, I, I, I we had so great discussions of any kind sometimes even emotional in the Facebook forum where we were, we were just showing how the partnership between the company and, and its customers uh, has worked, right? And I would love to see that again uh, because I believe it's so tremendously valuable for both parties to, to stay connected, talk about best practices, talk about features, talk about, I mean, the, the best thing, in my opinion, what happened was we were honest to each other and shop owners helped, uh, helped other shop owners, right? And those two things should come back. That's right. Well, and shop owners helping shop owners is really what the world yes. is about. That's the most important yeah. thing, right? So I agree. All right. Well, with that, uh, that concludes episode 185. We could not be more on time uh, in terms of the ending. And I think that's uh, a great way to end the episode. So thanks again, Frank, for being on. And uh, Bill Thank and Uva, I'm really you, excited to have you on uh, in a future episode uh, sooner than you probably think. Awesome. So we I like here. everybody out there, go out there and make some money and create happy employees and um, have a great day. Thanks guys. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Bye, John. Bye, William.